Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much, Judy and Bill, for that wonderful interpretive dance and special music leading into the message on Thanksgiving today. We're going to be going to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 here in just a moment if you want to make your way there in a Bible you brought with you or or a smartphone or an iPad or something like that. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 with a sermon on Thanksgiving, really, as you can tell by the whole service. And I'm going to go there in the Pew Bible, and I'll tell you in a second if you're interested exactly what page it is on. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 in the Pew Bible would be on page 929. So if you want to turn there and follow along there, we'll be on page 929. First, I want to share something, which I shared last week as well, and that's that next Sunday, my Sunday school class is switching to an Ask the Pastor series, Ask Pastor uh, Steve series. And so during that, if you have any questions, you can submit them. If there are questions on your mind, maybe uh, if you don't attend Sunday school class, this would be something of interest to you. Next Sunday's topic is going to be out at Christmas, end up on December 25th. Was that copying a pagan holiday? And so if you go to one of the other adult Sunday school classes, great. Stay there. They need you there. If not, we're going to start this new series. I've asked them to start turning in questions. And I thought I would share a few of the questions that I've already received. One is, what is Christian nationalism? So I'll deal with that on one of the Sunday school classes. Um, If someone is saved but commits suicide, will they go to heaven? That's one of the questions I've received. One is, is there hope in Calvinism? We'll skip over that question. No, I'm just kidding. We'll deal with that too. So, and maybe there's other questions that you have that you would like to talk about. You can text them, email them to me, call the office, and we'll probably take this class uh, not just, originally it was my thought just through the Christmas series because there were questions about Christmas Day and how Christmas Day ended up on December 25th. And, and actually, I've learned new insights on that actually just in the last couple years through some new resources. And uh, Biblical, Archeolo- Biblical Archaeological Review has a really good article about that. So we'll talk about that next week. But for today, we come to Thanksgiving in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And hopefully not just for today, but for the whole week. And hopefully not just for the whole week, but for the whole season. And hopefully not just for the whole season, but each time we re-emphasize this topic, it's a reminder of how important Thanksgiving is. There's an old show, maybe not so old, it's from the 1970s, called The Bob Newhart Show. There's a clip circling around on YouTube, and I heard it referenced, or Bob Newhart is a psychiatrist, and, or, is, or psychologist, one or the other, I forget. You can correct me later. And he checks in with his secretary on somebody he has to uh, visit with, and he goes in, and the guy says he's been dealing with certain things, and, and Bob Newhart says, oh, this won't take that long. And he looks at me, and he says, stop it! <laughs> this won't take that long. It's not that easy, is it? We deal with certain things, whether they're intrusive thoughts, whether they're negative thinking, whether, whether they're anxious thoughts, whether they're depressive thoughts, whether, whether they're dealing with other things. And it's not as easy as just saying, stop it, is it? Now, sometimes it is helpful to have somebody else tell us that, though. It can be helpful to have a good, a good close friend or a counselor say, do you realize how ridiculous these thoughts are? Do you realize how they don't make sense? 
And we've dealt with that over the last several months with the sermon series, which I concluded last week with the sermon on boundaries and the sermon series on dealing with difficult times. Sometimes we can, can make up catastrophes in our head. And that's where you need somebody to say, stop it. Most counseling appointments are 50 minutes, though, not five minutes. So that's not as easy as we'd like it to be, is it? So today we deal with something that I believe is the opposite of negative thinking is positive thinking. It's thanksgiving. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. God is good. And all the time. God is good. The biblical worldview, the Bible declares a God, the one and only God, the one true God who is good. And he is good all the time. Sometimes we don't know exactly why, what is going on. We can't really answer what's going on. But we know the scriptures reveal a good God. John Erickson Todd is one of the people that I really, really greatly look up to. And she writes, there's hardly a Christian who hasn't looked into the future and questioned, what is God's will for my life? Today's verse may be short and sweet, but it's, it's all the answer you need. It says, be joyful, pray continually, give thanks. And then it says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We look out, we say, what is God's will for my life? And this verse says, a part of God's will is for us to give thanks. She continues, Johnny Erickson Tata, who most of you may know is a, a Christian quadriplegic who leads a ministry, Johnny and Friends. He's been a quadriplegic for some 52 years now. Uh, Johnny and Friends ministers to those with special needs all over the world, autism, Down syndrome, paralyzed, multiple, multiple sclerosis, many other things, gets wheelchairs all over the world. But when she first became a quadriplegic, she did not leave the hospital for something like 18 months. She continues, she says, But you don't know my circumstances, I hear you saying. How can I be thankful for pain and heartache? God is not asking you to be thankful, but to give thanks. There's a big difference between feeling thankful and giving thanks. You ever think about that? There's a big difference between feeling thankful and giving thanks. One response involves emotions. The other, your will. Trusting God has absolutely nothing to do with trusting feelings. Our feelings may not always be there. Also, God's not asking you to give thanks for the tough times, only that you give thanks in them. God is not asking you to give thanks for the tough times, but to give thanks in them. That'll be repeated later. Give thanks that God is sovereign. That God is in control, giving you grace and peace and planning it all for your good and his glory. Today's verse, uh, Erickson Tata, John Erickson Tata continues, today's verse became my anchor when I was first paralyzed. I gritted my teeth, pushed aside feelings of despair and willfully gave thanks for everything from the hospital breakfast of cold cornmeal mush to the grueling hours of daily physical therapy. Many months later, a miracle occurred. I began to feel thankful. My brighter attitude enabled me to give thanks for greater things. Later on, another miracle happened. I was able to rejoice in suffering. 
Finding God's specific will for my life was incidental. It was incidental. She says, I happened upon it as I daily made 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, the anchor of my soul. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, and God will move heaven and earth to push you forward into his will. Whatever happens, whatever you decide, you will have every confidence that you are completely centered in his will for your life. Because he says in his word right here, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be thankful. Not for the circumstances, but in the circumstances. Now, part of that does involve surrender. Surrendering to God as sovereign, as God is in control. If we think we are in our circumstances uh, purely because we lack faith and if our faith was just stronger, we would be made well or if our faith was just stronger, we would, we would have everything we wanted, then we don't really believe God is stronger. If we, if we believe that we're trying to control God in that case, we don't control God. God is in control. God is sovereign. That's why we can be thankful. He's never left his throne. He causes or allows all things. We don't always know why. We can make conjectures. We can look at circumstances. Some days, sometime, maybe 10 or 15 years later, we might realize why. Sometimes we have to wait till heaven if we ever find out why. But we do know that God is in control. God is sovereign. My theme today is we are to give thanks in all circumstances. Thanksgiving, rejoicing, and praying are God's will for us. We are to give thanks in all circumstances. Thanksgiving, rejoicing, and praying are God's will for us. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, reading from the ESV here. Reading from the ESV, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I'm going to put this passage in context first. Because a text without a context is a pretext for for whatever you want it to mean. Got to put it in context. In context, these seem to be rapid-fire exhortations as Paul closes his letter. Paul's closing this marvelous, wonderful letter on 1 Thessalonians. He's giving these rapid-fire exhortations. Oh, by the way, this relates to 1 Thessalonians. John Piper, uh, the theologian, author, pastor John Piper, has these YouTube videos called Look at the Book. And he'll take 5, 10, 12 minutes uh, marking up a Bible passage. He's currently going through 1 Thessalonians. And I'd be glad to refer those to you. He pulls out so many awesome insights. He's, he's not to this verse yet, but he's getting there. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He's, he's closing 1 Thessalonians. And as he's getting ready to close this letter to Thessalonica, this first of the letters to Thessalonica, he's giving these rapid-fire exhortations. He begins the closing of the letter in verse 12, and he goes through verse 21. In verse 16, he says, always rejoice. Always rejoice. Rejoice always. Look at that. It's a two-word verse. If you get to choose your own verse to memorize, and you have to memorize a verse for your parents or grandparents or for Scripture, here you go. Rejoice always. One of the shortest verses in the Bible, right up there with Jesus wept. You could all have it memorized by a later day. First Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. 
There's a lot of meat to that verse too. Rejoice always. Verse 17, constantly pray. Look at verse 17. Pray without ceasing or constantly pray. So now we got rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And then it goes to verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then in verses 19 through 21, he continues. In verses 19 through 21, he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So that's kind of putting in context. Again, context when looking at the scriptures and reading the scriptures and praying the scriptures when studying the scriptures is critical because without the context, as I already stated, it's a pretext for whatever you want it to mean. You know the person trying to discover God's will for his life and he tried to do the pin drop method. He goes through his Bible and drops a pin and, it's a, and he goes to a verse, this is gonna be God's will for my life. And he points down on his finger and it says, Judas went and hung himself. So he thought that can't be right. So he goes through and goes through some other verses and he finds another passage that says, go and do likewise. No, you gotta put it in context. So that's what we just did, we, which is a principle of hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is a science of interpreting the Bible. Context, context, context. So we see in context these rapid fire exhortations as the apostle Paul is closing his first letter to Thessalonica. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Is the end, the beginning. Rejoice always. Constantly pray. Give thanks for this is God's will. So now I want to park on being thankful. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. As I emphasized before, I want to reemphasize. It says in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In all circumstances, not necessarily for all circumstances. The New American Commentary, which is one source, it says giving thanks translates or give thanks translates the same verb, Eucharistio, which is the word Paul used when he told the the Thessalonians, I'm having trouble with those big words today, those the Thessalonians that he thanked God for them and for their faith. It's the same word Paul used when he thanked God for them and for their faith. That goes along with what Steve said earlier about being thankful for other people. Notice how many times at the beginning and or end of Paul's letters, he's thankful for the people. At the end of Romans, in Romans 16, he gives this list of people that he's thankful for. It's so important to be thankful for other people. Public thanksgivings also serve as an example of gratitude toward, toward others, which all Christians should follow. For ingratitude is characteristic of ungodliness in Romans 1.27. Ingratitude is characteristic of ungodliness. See Romans 1.27. In addition, Paul's public expressions of thanks showed his genuine appreciation for the churches and strengthened the bonds between them. Paul says, in all circumstances, and in all circumstances, translates a phrase that could just as well mean at all times. Paul never instructed the church to thank God for evil events, but to thank God that even in evil times and circumstances, our hope remains and God continues his work in our lives. 
even in difficulties and evil and events, our hope remains and God continues his work in our lives. You can check out Romans 8.28 about that. If you're a Christian, all things work together for good for those who love God. Of course, we ought to reflect, do we love God? If we love God, that verse applies to us. Paul says, for, when we give thanks for, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. As we give thanks, it is the will of God. That's why John Erickson Tata was saying, you know, when we question what is God's will, now this isn't about God's overarching will for you to go be a missionary or go be a chef or whatever it might be. This is about something in a day-to-day way. It is God's will for us to give thanks. However, the phrase, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, seems to be a wrap-up of verses 14 through 18. I'm sorry, 16 through 18. It is God's will for us to rejoice always. It is God's will for us to pray constantly. So you get up in the morning, you think, what is God's will for me today? This verse, this passage is saying it's it's God's will for you to rejoice today. It's God's will for you to pray continually, pray without ceasing today. It's God's will for you to be thankful today. I want to go and move to some applications of this. We must give thanks in good times and difficult times. God is sovereign. God is in control. I think oftentimes we can find things to be thankful for, even in difficult times. You know, the silver lining, the the positive. And that's always a good thing to do. It's always helpful mentally and emotionally to look for the good things. I have two kids, 11, and the other one's about to be nine years old. Most of you know that. Most of you have met them. And sometimes uh, kids can be a little dramatic. Uh, Maybe it's just my kids. Sometimes, or maybe it's just daughters, but I would bargain I was probably kind of dramatic when I was a kid too. And you know how sometimes we say, that's a first world problem. Maybe you've heard that before. That's a first world problem. And in other words, problems that we get so upset about, so dramatic about, are things that only apply to the wealthiest country in the world and the wealthiest time in the world, which would be the United States of America today. I love history, and I think you've heard me share in the book 1776 by David McAuliffe, the historian who recently passed away, says even in 1776, the 13 colonies were the wealthiest uh, concentration of wealth in the world. First world problems we have. And so sometimes I have to get my daughter's Mercedes or Abigail's attention or both of them and say, hey, stop it. That Bob Newhart thing, right? This won't take long. Stop it. Do you have clothes to wear? Do you have a roof over your head? Is our heat in the house not working? Have you not eaten today? Do you not have any, do we not have any food in the refrigerator? Are you going hungry? Is somebody dying? This is not a crying matter. And sometimes that brings them back to their senses, sometimes not. But sometimes we all need that, don't we? We need somebody to say, stop it. There are so many good things going on, so much to be thankful for. There's a book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. 
why zebras don't get ulcers. And this guy studies zebras and animals. And the zebras, you know, have the cortisol, which is a stress hormone released when they're being chased by lions. You know, it's a life or death situation. It's kind of sad if you ever watch them on the Nature Channel getting chased by lions and all of a sudden they, they usually die and they're eaten for the, for, the, for the big cats. And, you know, and so this guy studied them, that cortisol and the stress hormone and the other hormones uh, dealing with stress are released when they're in a life or death situation. But for many of us, those stress hormones are released because of a perceived threat. Sometimes there are real dangers. Sometimes it's before a stressful meeting or, or something else, or maybe because your football team didn't win today or something else. So we must turn it around and give thanks in good times and in difficult times. Find the good things to be thankful for. Find the silver lining. We must know that what man meant for evil, God can use for good. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, is Joseph, after being betrayed by his brothers, being in a prison for some 17 years, and then his father died, and his brothers, Joseph's brothers, are now thinking, oh no, now that daddy's gone, our brother Joseph is going to get back to us, back at us. And Joseph knows what's going on. He looks at them, he says, don't worry, what you meant for evil... God meant for good. We must know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, Romans 8, 28. We must know that God is at work in us, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Work out, our, work, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. God is at work in us, and we just let it work out of us. God is at work. We must know that difficult times build character. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Uh, Paul says in Romans 5, 3 through 5, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Through our difficulties, God is at work building our character, building us up, sometimes building up those around us. God is at work. We must give thanks not for the bad circumstances, but in the bad circumstances. We must be thankful knowing that God is in control. We must be thankful knowing that God has not left his throne. We must be thankful for the valleys and the mountaintops. Without the valleys, we cannot rejoice in the mountaintop experiences. Without the valleys, we cannot rejoice in the good times because we have nothing to compare them to. We must be thankful for the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, don't forsake, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but to continue to meet together, to spur one another on or encourage one another in love and good deeds. Be thankful for the body of Christ. It was the coldest winter ever. Many animals died because of the cold. But the porcupines, realizing the situation, decided to group together to keep warm. This way they covered and protected themselves, but the the quills of each one wounded their closest companions. After a while, they decided to distance themselves one from the other, and they began to die alone and frozen. So they had to make a choice, either accept the quills of their companions or disappear from the earth. Wisely, they decided to go back to being together. They learned to live with the little wounds caused by the close relationship with their companions in order to receive the heat 
that came from the others. This way, they were able to survive. The best relationship is not the one that brings together perfect people. But when each individual learns to live with the imperfections of others and can admire the other person's good qualities. The moral of the story, just learn to live with the pricks in your life. (laughs) We need each other. We need each other, and we are imperfect people, but we need each other. Be thankful for each other. Learn to appreciate each other. If you're not involved in a small group or a Sunday school uh, group or a prayer group, you need to be. We need that. We need the body of Christ, and we need in-person relationships with the body of Christ. We must be thankful for God's love for us, John three sixteen. Are we thankful for God's love for us? We must be thankful for prayer. Are you th- what would we do without prayer? I don't know what I would do without prayer. Are we thankful for prayer? We must be thankful for food. We must be thankful for clean water. You know how much clean water matters? How much do we take for granted that we can go and turn on the faucet and have clean water? A lot of the world doesn't have that. A lot of human history didn't have that. 100, 100 150 years ago, they didn't have that. You know, there are a lot of presidents in the United States. If you read presidential biographies, there was a lot of sickness the first 80 or 100 years. uh, And uh, in the White House, a lot of kids died in the White House. Presidents died, other things. And they realized it was possibly because of poor water, because of where the, the sewage went out, where the well was, and things like that. Clean water matters so much. Are we thankful for running water? Are we thankful for clean water? Are we thankful for showers and baths and toilets and so much more? We must be thankful for our family and friends. We must be thankful for the sunshine. We must be thankful for the raindrops. We must be thankful for the sun rising and setting and pause to notice the beauty of each. How often are we pausing to notice the beauty of the sunrise or the sunset or the stars at night. We must be thankful for the ability to read and write. Are you thankful that you can read? There's a book, The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brain by Nicholas Carr. There's another one uh, back from, by Postman, last name Postman, written in the 80s called Americans Are Amusing Ourselves to Death. We become somewhat shallow as people because we do not read as much. And we, do not, we take for granted that awesome ability to be able to read and write. Be thankful that you can read, that you can write. And then go and read something. Read a book. Read a big book. Read a thick book. Or listen to an audio book. Dive into the details. We must be thankful for all that we have in Christ. In Christ, we are adopted into God's family. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. In Christ, we are declared righteous and so much more. We are given the Holy Spirit, Romans 8.30, John chapter 14, verse 18. Are we thankful for all that God has lavished on us in Christ? We have eternal life in Christ, but we also have fuller life, complete life, abundant life in him. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come to give us life and give it to us abundantly. How do you get that abundant life in Christ? You spend time in his word and prayer, in prayer and his word, in praying his word. You spend time with your church family. You spend time in spiritual activities. You let the Holy Spirit renew you and build you up. You, you humble yourself and seek Christian counseling if you need that. There's no shame in that. You ask people to pray for you. Jesus wants to give us fullness of life, complete life, abundant life, and unending eternal life.
We must be thankful in all things. This is God's will for us. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks. C.S. Lewis, that wonderful writer, said, The Christian is not to ask whether this or that event happened because of a prayer. He is rather to believe that all events, without exception or answers to prayer, in the sense that whether they are grantings or refusals, the prayers of all concerned and their needs have all been taken into account. Do you ever think about that? Whether grantings or refusals, the prayers of all have been taken into account. It's that old Garth Brooks song, some of God's greatest gifts or unanswered prayers. I hate making a country, accent, uh, a country reference in a sermon. I apologize for that. Country music can't stand it anymore, but some of you like it. Anyways, some of God's greatest gifts or unanswered prayers. I like what C.S. Lewis said. We must be thankful. One last encouragement about being thankful. It's really hard. It's really hard to change our attitude. It's really hard to change our focus. It's really difficult. But I believe strongly that if we pursue it, if we try, that will reward us. There are so many times I see someone or meet someone, even when they walk in the church on Sunday morning, and the negative thinking is contagious and it brings us down before we worship God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, the Apostle Paul says he's taking every thought captive into obedience to Christ. That's what we need to do. We need to try hard to take every thought captive unto obedience to Christ. And we know, psychologically speaking, our thoughts build grooves in our brain. So it's hard. It's, uh, you know, our thoughts will go into a natural rut. And so we need to reverse things, flip them upside down and go to positivity and go to prayer with thanksgiving. And that's your exhortation for today. Be thankful. Be thankful. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Be thankful. One other thing, though. Where are you at with Jesus? Is he your Lord and your Savior? The Bible uses four action words to describe our commitment to Christ. Confess, believe, trust, and commit. I don't want to believe that just because most or maybe all of you have been at Bethel Friends for many, many years, that you are all believers and committed to Jesus as Lord and Savior. I hope that's true. But I just want to ask you this personal question. Have you confessed that you're a sinner in need of a savior? That means repentance. That means humility. That means saying, I can't get to heaven on my own. Can't do it. I need a savior. Have you believed in Jesus as that one and only savior? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his unique son, that whosoever believes in him, which is a trust, shall not perish, but shall inherit everlasting life. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Jesus. Do you believe that? Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again. Some people always want to know, why do we need Jesus? That's because we needed a sinless, perfect, righteous substitute. We can't pay for our own sins because we've sinned. So Jesus came as God in the flesh, fully God and fully man, lived a sinless, righteous, holy life and went to the cross to be our perfect sacrifice for our sins. And he rose again. Do you believe that? 
Not do you believe that yesterday, not did you believe that 10 years ago. No, are you clinging to hope? Are you believing that Jesus is the Savior? Not one among many saviors. No, the way, the truth, and the life, the one and only Savior. And then the other two action words, the other two verbs, we're called to commit to Christ, commit to Christ and trust in him. Commit to Christ and trust in him. Are you trusting in him as Lord of your life? Is he your Lord and your Savior? That's where we struggle. It doesn't mean we don't mess up. It means that we mess up, we repent, and we say, oh, God, I'm sorry, I did wrong again. And we also repent to those we sinned against. We, we say, I should not have talked to you that way. I, I should not have used that negative sarcasm. I should not have been so harsh. I should not have been so mean. I shouldn't have gossiped about you. Will you forgive me? We ask God to forgive us. We ask the other to forgive us. Are we striving to persevere in our faith? Oftentimes at night, I pray with my children before they go to bed, almost every night. And oftentimes we pray for good health. Lord, keep viruses away, keep infection away, keep, keep the bus driver safe as they drive you to school tomorrow. Keep them safe at school. Keep uh, bad things away. And I'm sure that you do that too. But do we equally pray that, we, that God keeps sin away from us? That God gives us the strength to conquer sin? that God gives us a strength? Are we praying that the Holy Spirit convicts us of, of our sins so that we repent? Because that is way more dangerous than anything we'll face in this world. Committing high treason against God Almighty is way worse than anything we face in this world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time to declare your word to your people. Lord God, I pray that this these verses are applicable to all of us. I believe they are applicable. They certainly are to me. I can be a complainer and a, and a whiner just as much as anyone. And I believe you're declaring that to me. You're showing me. You're revealing that to me so that I can, that I, I can take every thought into captivity. Living out Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious for anything. But in all situations, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, presenting your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord God, help us to be thankful. Help us to pray continually. Help us to be thankful. Help us to rejoice always. We can't do this on our own, but Lord, may we always remember the Holy Spirit is within us. And Lord God, if anyone here has not surrendered to you, maybe as I asked those questions a few moments ago, they think, oh, I have not confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't, I haven't believed that. I'm not committed to him. Regardless of age, may there be no shame in coming to the cross and declaring, Jesus, I surrender to you. Jesus, I surrender to you. Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, I believe in you as the one and only Savior. Jesus, I'm trusting in you. Jesus, I'm committing to you. And we know, Jesus, you're gracious and you cleanse us of our sins. You forgive us. You accept us into your family. You adopt us into your family. And you'll do that for anyone who responds to the gospel. And Lord God, for those of us, most of us probably who would say we know the gospel, may we share that gospel, that good news with others. And may we be thankful. Lord God, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As the praise team leads this closing song, if God has laid anything on your heart, the altars are opened. It could be uh, asking prayers for a loved one. It could be praying for something you're going through. Don't be ashamed to come to the altars and pray. And if you just want to pray by yourself, they'll be glad to just let you spend time in prayer by yourself. But they're eager to pray with you. And there should be no shame coming up here. I, 
and in praying. And there's power when two or three are gathered praying together as a body of Christ.